What's your name? What is that? Gokul. Gokul, yes, you're sitting quiet. Good boy. Thank you. The Tiru, uh, so the Srila Vijapati, a great Vaishnava poet, has sung. Tatala Saikate Hari Bindu Sama Sutamita Ramani Samajye. So, because with the children, I don't usually mind because I've five children, so it doesn't bother me. But it tends, it can distract others quite significantly. <laughs> so, uh, and Prabhupada generally, uh, as soon as you know, uh, he loved to have the children to listen. But as soon as they made a noise, he'd ask that they, you know, be removed because um, it, it is, um, uh, you know, he took the hearing and chanting very, very seriously. So, no offence to the children, but um, then we have to uh, take this hearing and chanting very seriously while we have the opportunity. So, material sense gratification with society, friendship and love is hearing compared to a drop of water falling on a desert. A desert requires oceans of water to satisfy it, and if only a drop of water is supplied, what is its use? Similarly, the living entity is part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who, as stated in the Vedanta Sutra, is Ananda Mayobhyasat, full of enjoyment. Being part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the living entity is also seeking complete enjoyment. However, Complete enjoyment cannot be achieved separate from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In his wanderings in the different species of life, the living entity may taste some type of enjoyment in one body or another, but full enjoyment of the senses cannot be obtained in any material body. Thus, Puranjana, the living entity, wanders in different types of bodies, but everywhere meets frustration in his attempt to enjoy. In other words, the spiritual spark, covered by matter, cannot fully enjoy the senses in any circumstance in material life. A deer may become absorbed in the musical sound vibrated by the hunter, but the result is that it loses its life. Similarly, a fish is very expert in gratifying its tongue, but when it eats the bait offered by the fisherman, it loses its life. Even the elephant, who is so strong, is captured and loses its independence while satisfying its genitals with a female elephant. In each and every species of life, the living entity gets a body to satisfy various senses, but he cannot satisfy all his senses at one time. In the human form of life, he gets an opportunity to enjoy all his senses pervertedly. But the result is that he becomes so harassed in his attempted sense gratification that he ultimately becomes morose, and he tries to satisfy his senses. As he tries to satisfy his senses more and more, he becomes more and more entangled.
So, uh, Narada Muni is uh, speaking to uh, King uh, Barishat, and uh, he is uh, giving this analogy about Puranjana. Uh, and and, and Srila Prabhupada described that uh, in the previous verse, right? Puranjana, that um, he can tell me has been Puranjana. Um, but what does what does the word Puranjana mean? You can say. What's that? It's uh, yeah. It's uh, jana means the living entity, and puram within this body or form. Yeah. So, which is also explained in the. Thirteenth um, uh, chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Chetra and Chetra Jaya, that this body is compared to a field, and the living entity is the knower of the field. So two different things. Um, the Prabhupada gives this, this example. So people tend to identify the self as the body. It's just one thing. But actually, they're two different things. So, uh, the the self, as Krishna has described, that even though the body changes, the self remains the same. So it must be different from the the changing body, and therefore one should see it as different. So um, this uh, pura or chetra, um, Prabhupada explains that field of activities can be the body. So we're active in this body or we're active in this room or we're active anywhere in the world the world can be Chetra in one sense people travel all over the world you know, they have expanded activities all over the world they're all Chetra or the field of activities given the example of this room so the Prabhupada uh, helps us to understand the simple fact that we're sitting in this room, which is the field of our activities, we're hearing and chanting uh, about Krishna, but, and we're sitting on the floor, so then Prabhupada would ask the question, does anyone think that they are the floor? Hands up? See, not even the children <laughs> putting their hands up. He's laughing. So, uh, you know, it's a very simple concept, isn't it? But, you know, that is, that is the understanding, the difference between the, the self and, and uh, the body. Uh, that one is the knower of the body, and, and, and one is the, the, the body or the field where the, uh, the knower is uh, active. Um, so that, you know, that's um, in the, uh, was it the 13th chapter, it discusses the process of knowledge. One of those processes is birth, death, old age and disease. To always, Prabhupada says, always keep that problem in front. <laughs> so, for instance, when children go to school, you know, the teachers are trying to get them to develop knowledge and as they apply the knowledge they're given, it becomes more fixed up. 
So sometimes they give a mathematical uh, formula how to work out so much area. And they'll multiply, you know, one side by the other, etc., etc. So there's a formula. Or they add them all up. So they problem solve. And by that, the, the knowledge, you know, it's the problem by which they understand, okay, that gives them the impetus to develop the knowledge. So uh, we're taught from the very beginning, here is the problem, birth, death, old age and disease, now solve <laughs> Come to the knowledge and solve that problem. So as, as part of the process of knowledge is having, that's the problem we're trying to solve. If you're developing knowledge, like uh, King Krantana was, for sense gratification, you're actually not coming to knowledge because the problem you can't solve. There's no knowledge to do that. And that knowledge uh, depends upon the uh, <coughs> understanding that uh, <coughs> the living entity is eternal, unchanging, and the body is different from the self. So, um, now that um, here, uh, it is explained that um, the living entity is part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead who is stated in the Vedanta Sutra as Ananda Mayobhya, full of enjoyment. Being part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the living entity is also seeking complete enjoyment. However, complete enjoyment cannot be achieved separate from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, the um, one who doesn't have that knowledge that I am a spirit soul but that they're in ignorance, they're thinking, I am this body, then they will try, the body becomes very dear to them because it is the source of whatever happiness they feel that they can get. So there's no knowledge of the soul. So whatever happiness I'm going to get is derived from this body. Uh, so, <clears throat> therefore the body they protect by all means. The body is very dear to everyone. And you see that around the world. You know, that's, that's the basis of the uh, <coughs> you know, multi-billion dollar fashion industry. <laughs> if the body wasn't you know, so dear to everyone as a, as a, you know, a place for happiness, they wouldn't make any money. But the fact that they're making billions and billions of dollars is because people you know, take so much care of the body because this is where my happiness comes especially for sex desire. So, but, <clears throat> one who gets that knowledge that we are a spirit soul, then the understanding comes, oh, this body is dear, you know, I, I'm looking after this body because the soul is in it. Otherwise, um, if the soul wasn't in this body, I'd have no use for it. So we see that as soon as the body dies, even the relatives, you know, discard it, burn it, bury it. Because no one wants to keep it home as a decoration. 
they <coughs> so the body and then of course uh, the body and uh, everything related to the body for happiness so family mothers fathers children wives husbands in India of course the list goes on quite extensively <laughs> big family I guess that's one good fortune in the West we have little families <laughs> but that we don't see very much but um, so the those things uh, you know then the understanding is when you understand the, the body the soul you understand well the body's I'm only seeing that as important because it's uh, the soul isn't there actually, but the the real important um, uh, 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 say uh, source of happiness is the soul. And why is my soul important? Because it is part and parcel of the uh, supreme personality of Godhead described here as uh, Ananda Maya Vyasat. He is full of enjoyment and. In union, you know, in, in connection with the supreme soul, the spirit soul is always blissful, always happy, eternally. So, therefore, uh, our real source of happiness for the soul comes not from the body, but that eternal enjoyment that can be there, as described in this section, with our invisible friend, the super soul. Of course, for devotees, he's not so invisible. He's standing right there on the altar, and uh, they think about him every day. They know his form, his name, his parents, his address. But for others, he's invisible. So, um, the living entities, their program is one body to another, as as Paranjana here. Now, this is very interesting because Narada Muni, he's talking to ba- uh, King Bahishma that. Um, uh, he's trying to help him to stop this cycle of fruit of activities, even through religious ceremonies, which is basically keeping him in the cycle of birth and death, one body after another, trying to fulfil these particular material desires. And that's not possible. Therefore, Krishna describes in the 8th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita that this world, from the highest place even to Lord Brahma, Right down to the last place, no one escapes. It's you know there is misery there. Someone may protest. Oh no no no! You know there's, there's happiness. Yes, okay, there's happiness. We'll agree. Yes, you're having happiness. That happiness is like one drop of water in a desert. Oh no no! I'm getting so much happiness. But uh, you know they may protest. But then you explain so. You could have eternal happiness, but your happiness will come to an end. If you identify with the body, it will come to an end forever. (laughs) Or, you can eternally suffer one body after another. (laughs) Either way, um, you know, the happiness we find in the, uh, with these temporary material bodies is very, very limited compared to... So, uh, as Prabhupada says that, um, you know, if you take even the highest pleasure in this material world, which, you know, uh, people say, uh, the authorities say is sex pleasure, 
because people seem to be quite mad after that. Papa says, how long can, you know, two minutes? You have sex for two minutes? You know? Every so often, of course, you know, for people, you know, people get married, even, even with their partner, it, it diminishes, it's the law of diminishing returns. <laughs> the, law, the law of diminishing returns. It's a very interesting law. That you keep putting more effort in, you're able to have less of what you want for your happiness, and it gives you less pleasure and more misery. <laughs> so it's a very so even if you take the greatest pleasure in this world, it's you know you look at it very carefully. But apart from that, very dangerous because uh, the happinesses of this world. All our activities in this life are actually creating our next body. Life after life. So that's a very dangerous proposition, you know, when you think about it. If I take birth again, where, you know, there's no guarantee we'll be born in Australia, America, India, a lot of countries in this world, you know, a lot of families wanting to have children. <laughs> We could become, and there's a lot of animals wanting to have children. <laughs> and and uh, according to one's activities, one can be placed in any of those. So, very dangerous proposition. So, now, that is the chewing the chew. Again and again, this is uh, a pranjana, chewing the chew. No satisfaction in this life. I'll, I'll try again next life. No satisfaction in that life. Try again next life, life after life. And Prabhupada explains like the moon. You know, they want to go to the moon. Why is that? They've failed here. We've missed this place, huh? There's just war everywhere. Water's gone bad. The air's gone bad. Oh, let's go to the moon. The chew in the chew? I'll go there and mess that up. <laughs> what would they do? Bring back the minerals and dig it up. You know, turn it into a. Get there. (laughs) (laughs) So chewing the chew. So that is the program. Now, you know, here King Paranjana, he's speaking to uh, uh, sorry uh, Narada. He's speaking to King Bharatishat, but. He's actually telling a story about someone else. Oh, there's not you, but Maharaj Bharat said, there's someone else. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, tell me that story. You know. if, if you were to tell this, <laughs> you, someone about, you know, let's analyse your, you know, your problems. I don't have problems. Yeah. 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 You know, or, you know, I'll, I'll resolve them. You know. no. so, but he's telling a story about someone else. Actually, even, you know, psychiatrists, you know, they deal with people with so many problems. But if they have a problem, they go to another psychiatrist. They won't even listen to their own problems. <laughs> it just doesn't work. You know, you actually have to have some, you know, objective person with knowledge who can look at it from a distance, from a detached point of view. Okay. So therefore, Narada Muni is doing that. Um, and... Um, you know, which is a very interesting preaching method. You know, we have to be uh, careful of, uh, you know, when we are speaking to people, 
to really just delve into their life too much, too intensely. You know, it's um, you know sometimes it's better to talk about some examples from scripture, and somehow in their heart they're thinking, "Gee, that sounds a lot like me." <laughs> but uh, we don't want to point the finger at them. You know. It's, it's very intelligent, you know, speaking tactic by the writing. Um, you know, even humble devotees still don't like to be preached at. <laughs> so, um, so he's telling this story. So, and um, because, uh, you know, basically what happens is that King Bhattisattva, although very intelligent and very qualified, but in essence, he is following everyone else, chewing the chew, body after body. I have a particular desire, let me try and fulfill that, that desire creates another body. That body creates other desires and it just goes on like that. Um, <clears throat> so, to the death, a de- another death, another death, another death. So, um, Srila Prabhupada explains that, you know, this is the nature of, of you know, those who are ignorant of, of you know, spiritual knowledge. They're basically, they're like animals. So, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a saying in Bengali, probably all over the world, you know, at the slaughterhouse, you know, <coughs> uh, if you want to bring the animals in, the goats or the sheep, uh, the cows to be slaughtered you've just got to get one in because if you get one in they all follow yeah. <coughs> they're going to their death they don't want to go in because they sense that as Prabhupada, you know, Prabhupada says you know sometimes you know the, the cows you know they'll cry you know, they, you know they, sometimes they understand you know I'm very fearful of this human. I feel like I'm going to... Make, they'll, they'll cry and they'll, you know, they have their children. I've seen cows cry. As well. You separate them, the mother from the, from the, uh, the calf. And, um, but somehow or another, if you get one in, they'll go in. And even that first one was you know, perhaps a little intelligent than the other rest of the herd. And get them in, they'll all go in. Like that. So that's, that's the way of the world. But they, you know, many of them are just following that one who appears to be a leader. So here, King uh, King Bhattisat, he's a leader of others. And if he's going to engage in fruitive activities, you know, everyone will follow him for hundreds of years. And we know that, you know, that's that's one of the difficulties we have uh, sometimes. Uh, you know, helping people from different traditions. Uh, you know, Hinduism, Christianity, Muslim, you know, to accept the principles of Krishna consciousness. So sometimes you explain to them, we're following the same principles. But in their mind, no, 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 it's different. Uh, so, um, as I was, I was talking with uh, one person from uh, one Christian group, and um, uh, I was going to offer some, I was at their home, I was going to offer some flowers, and I was trying to explain everything because I understood that question. So I was saying, we're going to offer some flowers and, um, you know, things as, as gifts to God. 
Anna nagu ide nafu kivs. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I bet you do. <laughs> so I said, oh, that's interesting. So no flowers, no, not, not. And, um, okay. Do you, do you give money to your, to your church? Oh, yeah, yeah. I said, is that a gift? Oh, it is a gift, isn't it? There you go, we're doing the same thing. <laughs> but see, in their mind, you know, we're not going to do any, any Hare Krishna things, you know, this is our tradition, you're going to stick with that. I actually explained, actually, we, we follow the same. We also don't just offer gifts to God. Because in the back of the Gita, it explains, in, in the ninth chapter, text number 26, that Krishna says, you can offer me fruits, flowers, you know, different sacred foods, with love, and I will accept them. He's accepting the bhakti. If there's no bhakti, he's not interested in the gifts. You can't buy his, you know, your way back to uh, the kingdom of God with that. So we, we actually follow the same thing. But somehow, uh, you know, they're, they're, by tradition, sometimes they're following a little blindly. Um, so, <coughs> um, this... Um, it's very hard to uh, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, give some knowledge because there's a lot of resistance. So uh, this ba- King Bhakisat, he was. Uh, if, if people follow him, they will follow him for generations after generations after generations, thousands of years. So, and it gets to the point where each generation. They don't know why they're following it. So then it gets to the... And, and then someone changes things a little bit. So, <laughs> one of my favourite stories, I, I have this to be, especially in weddings, where people say, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. You know, one time someone was asking, you know, we want the deities and we want them, you know, sat behind us. And, and you know, because I saw someone else have the deities behind them. You know, right? so, so I tried to explain. Anyway, I usually tell this story and then they... Uh, you know, listen to me. That the um, about the cat in the basket. Yeah, I'll tell it anyway. That um, one one uh, lady, one girl was getting married, and <clears throat> when she was getting married, she said um, to her niece, "When I get married, I want you to get our cat, put it in the basket." so that it doesn't spoil the food that's there for the reception after the wedding. Little niece says, yep, done. So little niece did that. That little niece grew up. She was getting married. So she calls in her niece. I'm getting married today. I'd like you to put the cat in the basket. Didn't tell her why. Yes. So she did that. She got the cat, put it in the basket. Then she grew up. She brought her niece in. She said, I'm getting married today. I want you to put the cat in the basket. The niece started crying. I can't put the cat in the basket. Why not? We don't have a cat. You get a cat and put it in the basket. I'm not getting married without a cat in the basket. (laughs) So... Um, so therefore uh, especially the leaders have to be good examples and um, now 
So this is the program that's going on all over the world. Everyone is just following this, life after life. Actually, only this Krishna consciousness movement is giving an alternative to this. Giving Krishna's program, as Prabhupada says. Krishna's program. So, uh, another example is, uh, say, with children. Uh, so these children, of course, they're following Krishna's program. They're all hearing and chanting. But generally, children, uh, what they'd like to do is just, you know, uh, if the, if what they'd like to do, if the parents, they'd like to just, you know, put the parents in the corner and then just do whatever they like. And they'll just go from one activity to another. But they, because they're, you know, in ignorance, they're not, they're not aware of the dangers of this world. Uh, they cause themselves all sorts of troubles and end up crying and, you know, make a huge mess and such a problem. Uh, and, and of course then you know, they won't get an education and they can you know, lose their good health and they can, you know, uh, they can kill themselves sometimes. So um, you know, there's no happiness there. And this is what people are like in this world. And Krishna is the Supreme Father and he's saying, you follow this program and you'll actually be happy. Okay. So, uh, it's not unreasonable. You know, people say, why should I follow Krishna? Or why should, you, then we'll ask, why should the children follow the father? Why is that unreasonable? Yeah. So, what is Krishna's program? Uh, Krishna explains in the Bhagavad Gita, in the ninth chapter, that uh, one should always think of me, become my devotee, Offer, uh, worship me and offer obeisances. If one does that, then one will not take birth again, as Krishna mentions in several places in the Gita, but they will come to me, they will come back to my abode, as described in the 8th chapter. Krishna has his eternal abode in the spiritual world, one will come back to the eternal spiritual abode and enjoy uh, 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 eternally. Uh, one can be happy eternally. So <clears throat> this, uh, this is Krishna's program. Now for that, so we see in the, in the program of the, you know, materially, uh, uh, materially speaking, chewing the chew, trying to enjoy one body after another, that's, there's a lot of difficulty there. A lot of difficulty. But what Krishna is saying is, for my program, you think of me. So when, one time Prabhupada was in, um, 1976, he was in France in the farm then. So he was uh, speaking to some of his disciples. He was, so he asked the question, so what is the difficulty? I said, we're all thinking of something. You know, we all have their minds. We're all thinking of something. Uh, we can think of uh, anything. We can think of our material desires. And, you know, if, if we go to work, we never stop thinking about our family. We do, you know, we're working for their happiness. Uh, uh, even when they're not never satisfied. But we're always thinking, why not think of Krishna? There was a difference. So, 
he explains also that to think of Krishna, one must actually become Krishna's devotee. One must love Krishna. So, the very basic principle of happiness in this world, as Srila Prabhupada explains, is love. That in every form of life, actually, the living entities are attaching themselves to each other. I remember one time I was in um, uh, New Zealand, at Padayatra, uh, South Island, I think it was, with uh, my spiritual master. And um, we, we were going from one town to another, and uh, my spiritual master had a habit that, you know, if there was a zoo, he'd, he'd take us, we'd all go into, you know, if there was some hot pools, we'd go into you know, the hot pools and mud pools, you know, we'd go into there. If there was a glacier, we'd go walk on the glacier like that. So, you know, he'd, he always, uh, and, and then as we were walking around, you know, he would, uh, we would uh, get, uh, we would see the Bhagavatam coming to life, you know, and he would explain what the materialists are doing, the animals are doing, and everything. So one time, I was standing by him, we were looking at these two beautiful uh large parrots in a cage and uh, you know very very beautiful very large uh, you know big 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 cage sort of a very open air small um, they call that really uh, Avery and um, they were snuggled up to each other you know they were like you know neck and neck of course, you know, teenagers say that. What have you been doing? Necking. <laughs> so, that, so that, you know, and they were sort of just really uh, cuddling up to each other and cooling and what have you. You know, you could just see they actually loved each other. You know, <laughs> and uh, he turned to me, he quoted that verse from the um, uh, fifth canto. He said, Gangisra, just see every species of life, same thing. <laughs> okay. So, you know, it's, uh, it's there. But, you know, and you'll see, and I see this when I'm driving, many, many birds, even the crows, if one of them gets hit by a car, the other one will come, risking its life, trying to get them, get up, get up, danger, trying to drag them off the road, that attachment, you know, that that, they... you know, they, they, they're risk, risking their own life to, you know, get the other bird off the road. You hear the birds, they like that story. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, it's, it's actually love. And, um, of course, in the human form of life, all our sentiments and our emotions are developed to the uh, highest degree. But still, uh, really, we cannot actually find the perfect person to love and we cannot um, materially, uh, you know, that reciprocation of love in the material world is always imperfect and even if we find something, as Prabhupada says, you know, the closest thing you'll find to love in this material world is, you know, the love of a mother for its child. Of course, even that's disappearing because many mothers, you know, want to kill their child, you know, if they don't want it, let's get rid of it. So, but, normally, mothers, they'll do anything. And, and there are many mothers, some, and, uh, you know, there are many stories, there's mothers who have forcefully you know, had a child by someone they didn't even know. And, um, uh, you know, 
they want to protect that child. They want, they want to, you know, it doesn't matter the tragic circumstances, that is a living being and they'll protect that child, you know. Like that. That's natural, very selfless. But basically, in this world, we're always left dissatisfied. And even if we say, well, this is close enough, you know, because that's, that's really the motto, you know. It's, um, if you ask people, you know, I've heard this a lot. You, know, you see people who have been married for 70, 80 years or something, and they ask, what's the secret to your you know, loving marriage? And the man will say, whatever she says, you just say yes to you. <laughs> You're expecting some, you know, little, little uh, you know, something about that love, but you don't quite get it, you know. But that's as close, you know, as, as you'll get. But uh, with Krishna, that, that, that love is actually there. So um, uh, here, so our, you know this, um, and, and for us actually, Prabhupada is saying, if you want to love Krishna, then you just think of him. What's the difficulty? Now compare that to trying to enjoy the material world. There's, just nothing, there's no obstacles in between. You want to love Krishna, go back to the spiritual world, and Krishna said, just think of it. What's the difference? And then Prabhupada was saying that, and uh, some of the disciples were saying that, so, but Prabhupada, sometimes there's material desires, and, uh, you know, that, that creates a difficulty. So, uh, Srila Prabhupada, you know, pointed out that, yes, if you want to, uh, you know, if you have a desire to be happy in the material world, then you create a difficulty. If you want to love Krishna, as much as you love Krishna, all your material desires will disappear. So if you have a hundred, if you just always think of Krishna, despite whatever is going on in your heart, you just think of Krishna anyway, because I want to love him, nothing else. He says, all your material desires disappear. He says, but if you, have, if you keep, you know, um, to the degree, so if you have uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% material desires, then your love decreases by that much. And if you increase your love, that yes, I'm just going to think of Krishna, and you just think of Krishna, 100%, it leaves no room. Whatever room you leave, where you're not thinking of Krishna, the balance will be filled up with material desires. And that's the nature of mind. And <clears throat> so then Prabhupada himself, you know, he often raises questions we should raise. So then he would say, so then, if, you're always, if we're always thinking of Krishna, how will things go on? Who will maintain the family? You know, how will the work get done? How will I maintain myself in this work? So Krishna explains that in that same chapter, 9.22, that, you know, for those who are always thinking of me in love, I personally bring to them what they need. I personally bring. 
and there's that uh, that nice story. Uh, I won't go into that story. Oh yeah, you can just tell it quickly. The story of um, one Brahmana. What was his name? Arjuna. Arjuna Chari. Yeah. Is that your name? What's that? Oh, they did it as as kids. Oh, okay, yeah. So you know the story? Okay, tell the story. Alright. Here we go. Here. Tell everyone the story. Come in, into the mic. Okay. Oh, no, well, no, just the story is enough. One time there was a Brahmana. Yeah. And, he, and, and he was very dedicated to the study of the Bhagavad Gita. So one day when he was reading the Bhagavad Gita in the uh, nine, nine chapter verse twenty uh, verse twenty two uh, he couldn't understand something in the translation. Um, it was written that the Lord carry, um, preserve, uh, carry what they lack and preserves what they have. So then he uh, told his wife that I'm going out to get some madhukari. Then in, in that time what happened is uh, there, there came two boys on the door and then when, when the, uh, they were calling out Lord, to the wife, please come out. And then when the uh, wife came out, they, they gave some groceries and foodstuffs. And, uh, they were really loaded. That Prabhupada mentions that like they have the bamboo stick and they were loaded right up, both of them, you know, carrying a lot. So it was, the, the, right? It was a lot, yeah. So then, uh, then they gave, when they were giving the uh, groceries, um, they went down to give the uh, wife saw the, all the marks on their backs. Then uh, she asked, what happened to you? And then the boys told that your father, that your husband disagreed on something and he uh, beat um, us. So then uh, the wife told come inside and then and you can get, take some prasadam. Then the, boy, then the two boys came inside and then had prasadam. And then they were, when they were full, they, they said that now we will leave. And then when the Brahmana came home, he, he um, the, uh, the wife told that we have... The, the wife was already eating. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then uh, the Brahmana said that, why are you eating? You always eat after I eat. So then the uh, wife said that, the, the, um, that there were two boys. How could you beat them so badly? Then he said that I didn't beat any two boys. There were no one. Then he then he was he was lost in deep thoughts. And then after after some time he he went to his um, Bhagavad Gita. And then he opened the chapter what he was reading, and then he found that the strike he had made made on the uh, 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 translation was he, out. Yeah. He crossed out where he where Krishna says that I personally look after my devotees, come and bring what they need. 
he thought God doesn't personally come and he crossed that out in the Gita. Yeah. Then the suddenly the absolute, uh, absolute truth flashed upon him. Mm. Then he understood that and that the Lord himself came and then uh, ate prasadam and then cleared his doubt for him. Jai, very nice, yeah. Yes, yeah, so the per- point is that Krishna showed that he, he personally comes. So that's Krishna's program, that if we think of him, so Prabhupada explains, just you know, uh, somehow or another, no one has to leave their usual position of you know their usual work, they don't have to leave their family, just wherever they are, you just think of Krishna while you're doing that. As he says, people go to work and they think of their family all day long. So there's no impediment. If you want to think of something, you will. So you can do anything and think of Krishna and uh, be successful, go back to Godhead. That program, that is this Krishna consciousness movement because people tend to follow blindly, even if, but, you know, we want them to follow us. So Prabhupada gives this example, that the monkey, uh, sometimes, um, you know, the people, uh, um, lumberjacks, they split the log and they sort of cut them in half and what have you. And, and you know, one time they were cutting the logs and they come to about lunchtime, they'd halfway or somewhat cut nearly all the way through this log and they thought, let's go and have a meal. And so they put a wooden chock in it so it doesn't close up. And then the monkey comes along thinking, you know, just imitating, you know, just, uh, but no knowledge, you know, but just following, you know. Oh yes, they put the log. Here, they put the chalk here. I'll do this as well. Have a little fun. Pulls the chalk out, cuts its tail off. <laughs> so people have a tendency to follow, even at the you know. So the world is like that. You know, rascals, monkeys. You know, dogs, hogs, dogs, camels, and asses, as we say. But that tendency, Prabhupada gave another example, which he used in that way. But also, he gave the same example one time that let them follow us. He said, you know, people will sometimes see us as, you know, uh, um, you know, crazy fellows. You know, what are these crazy fellows doing? But then when they see, well, they're, they're really happy. They're always happy. You know, bright face. Uh, you know, then they'll take some interest. And he gives this example. You saw this uh, Charlie Chaplin movie once. And um, he was saying, he was laughing as he was remembering this Charlie Chaplin movie. That uh, you know, one time uh, Charlie Chaplin sat down on a park bench, and uh, you know he was going to a ball, and he had in those days they had the jacket, which is coat and tail, so they had tails which comes down to the back of the leg, sort of thing. And so <coughs> um, these naughty little boys came and stapled one side to the uh, you know the bench. So when he got up, it ripped right up the back. And he was, oh, he was angry. And he thought, I'm going to the ball anyway. Did you ever see that show? Yeah. <laughs> so, so he went to the ball anyway. And uh, he was sitting there, he was really embarrassed. And then he thought, I'm just going to get up and dance, you know. Cast everything to the wind like that. And uh, so he got up and he danced and he danced. And because in the sense that, you know, I don't care whatever. Usually when people are dancing, they're thinking, I wonder, you know, who's looking at me and if I'm doing the right thing they're really embarrassed but when you've got your coattails ripped up you think oh, who cares what they think I'm just going to dance with the band and so it was like that dancing, dancing, dancing 
And then, you know, others were looking at him. Oh, he's really having fun. And so another person rips their coattails out the back and they get on the dance floor and dancing. And I don't care what these all think, I don't like that. And then everywhere, all the men, you know, started. So the whole lot of them just ripped their coattails and they all danced like that. So he said, you know, uh, you just dance and chant and feast. People in the beginning think you're crazy. When they see you happy, they'll follow because that, <laughs> that is their nature. So uh, this is so we want them to follow Krishna's program. And uh, really all they have to do is somehow or another think of Krishna and that will take them back to Godhead and they'll get the eternal happiness that they're after. So I'll just leave it there if anyone has any questions or comments just quickly. Hmm. Couples in the spiritual world, so what's the difference of mentality of the couples in the spiritual world and couples in the spiritual world? Couples in the spiritual world? Yes, we have gopas and gopas and the children, gopas. <laughs> That's explained here. Uh, Ananda Maya Obisa, uh, they're, they're all full of enjoyment. But in terms, you know, how we have to build that and the only difference is that when we become attracted to you know that relationship with another person, you know, husband, wife, etc., in this world, it brings fear. Because either death will come, or if people have a little bit more knowledge, they feel that they'll be implicated in the cycle of birth and death. But the only difference between the relationships is that here, it brings fear, but in the spiritual world, there's no birth and death. And so there's no fear. There's only bliss. That's the only difference. Yes, that's external, but... No, no, that's actually internal. <laughs> Well, Prabhupada explains this. He says that. Yeah, Prabhupada explains it like this. He says, in the spiritual world, he says, they're thinking that how is it people think that the sex life is even happiness in the mature world? That's what, he says that's what they're thinking. Right? So, <laughs> so, if they, you know, Somehow or another, you know, get a glimpse of what we're doing from Balkanta or what have you. They're wondering, how do they even think that's happiness? That's how they're thinking. So, therefore, Prabhupada says, so you can only imagine their happiness if they're thinking like that. That's what we have to understand. And under my obvious Yeah. Okay. Any other questions, comments? Jai. So, Prabhupada, you're done. How do you